Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. How's this? Better. Kristen Rouse, New York City Veterans Alliance founder, helping Afghans escape. She's a manly looking woman, man. I'm not going to lie to you. New York's finest. All right. I got to, uh, I got to mess with my, here, hold on. All right. Okay. How is it now? Good. Okay, good. All right, we'll just go from, um, let's go, uh, um, all right, three, two, and one. Yesterday, Will was not able to be here. He's traveling, and uh, but the subjects we talked about were significant. He and I had a conversation. I said, well, why don't we record something for tomorrow? So that's what we're essentially doing. So, Will, I mean, some other things that, you know, we talked about um, yesterday um, when uh, when Jeff and I were on uh, pretty significant stuff. You know, things we don't understand. How one explosion injures essentially almost 400 people in two separate locations, and then the other one is is really a a force protection question. Actually, three things: force protection question. So, the Department of State, um, based on intelligence, that obviously. American intelligence community is picking up, um, says stay away from the airport. But it didn't look like that from the imagery we saw uh, from Twitter and other sources that the force protection posture changed, which is which is odd. Don't understand that. And then the other thing that got released yesterday was a video by Lieutenant, Lieutenant Active Duty Lieutenant Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel by the name of Stuart Scheller. And... Um, he essentially demanded accountability from the senior leaders of the Pentagon. And uh, you don't see it very often. Guy who's got 17 years invested in his career. And uh, so I uh, wanted to have you on and uh, talk about that and get your comments relative to those three things. All right. Where do you want to go first? Well, why don't we start with the explosions? Um uh, things we don't understand. Your your thoughts on that? It's it's a uh, it's a little bit. Uh, the Pentagon clarified uh, two days ago that there was only one explosion. But I mean, to any of us who've ever been around this stuff, uh, how does? And the one explosion was near the Marines, right? The the other event happens 200 meters away or so, and that injure that kills 200 and injures another 150. I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the the I don't know if we're still in this area of first reports, although the first report was clarified. Initially, we heard, as I replay the tape, we heard about an explosion and injuries, right. unknown. Right. And then we heard two explosions, and then we heard, two explosions, small arms fire. And then I think General McKenzie did the press conference where I think he said 
two explosions. And then I think we heard later one explosion, but I'm not sure about the small arms fire. And then at one point I saw a media report that the Marines that had been killed were X number were by explosion and Y number were by small arms fire. So I'm still, I have some confusion about that. The idea that a single device could wreak that kind of havoc. I mean, it's hard. How big does that thing have to be and what's got to be in it? Um, you know, you know what a quarter pound block of TNT looks like, you know what a block of C4 looks like. Is somebody got their luggage with them that gets all the way up to the front line? So they're carrying a, a carry on bag. And so that thing has got 50 pounds of C4 packed with nails in it. Can that kill 200 people? Um, it's yeah, it's difficult for me to see a single incident, uh, with, without, you know, it's different if it, they're in a building and the, and the bomb goes off and kills people and then the building collapses and kills people and then there's a fire that kills people. This is just still uh, murky to me. I don't, I don't think in the open source we actually know what the hell happened yet. Right. I just put it there because I, I don't, I can't say I've looked real hard, but I've looked somewhat hard. Uh, and I'm also wary of press reporting right. on this. So I, I, that's where I am. I, I don't know. Um, and the only reason that it's not being told out in, you know, official reporting is um, they've got a line on something that they want to conceal from the enemy. They know something that maybe they think the enemy doesn't know. They're using it to track people down, something like that. If I, I, I don't know of another reason that they wouldn't do a much more official report or the second thing is they're pretty freaking busy and they haven't done a full investigation. Although that one, I don't think really holds water either. Right. So that's where I am on it. Got it. One would think that, um, I mean, given, some of, th uh, some of the tools that we use, be it drones overhead, watching the area around the gate, that they would have video on it being, Absolutely. being a G-Boss, which is essentially a very, very powerful camera on a stick that's stuffed up in the air about 80 feet. Then you get, you get a pretty good view that you would be watching these entry control points very closely and that they would have video. So I, I, I hadn't really yeah. thought of it, but... I would. My instinct is to say that you're right about they're deliberately not giving out the information they have uh, for whatever reason that they don't want to give it out. Yeah, like it or not, there is multiple, and, and I don't know this for a fact. I just been around long enough to know there's multiple drones up there orbiting. We've got video of everything, plus or minus what a mile from the airport. Yep. And I can't believe that there's not a, a camera focused on each one of those gates, multiple angles all the time. Right. So no, I'm with you. I, I mean, to me, and that's part of the way we do it, right? We have guys there, but we also have people with these cameras 
and and what the way you can program the these GBOS cameras are, they're going to look at this place for 15 seconds. So it's almost like a patrol, right? Then they're going to look at this grid coordinate for 15 seconds. Then they're going to look at it, and then they can take over the camera at any time and then hit resume. And so this thing is constantly looking, and you're rotating people, you know, behind the screen, you know, because that shit will wear you out over the course of hours. And uh, and you're looking for things that don't make sense. You're looking, and and again, we, uh, it, you know, that's normally the way we do this kind of stuff, and especially at those entry control points. So I would think, and those are all recording video, and so I think uh, your, you know, your contention that there's a reason why they're they're not giving this up, and why, and but it's odd to me that I haven't heard anybody in a DoD press conference ask that. Hey, you're asking us to believe that, you know, over 200 people are killed and there was only one explosion. Could somebody give us the footnotes on that? How did that? So this was obviously well, a massive, too, Mac, is, small arms attack. Is, they have avoided taking questions. Uh, remember, after General McKenzie did his press conference, so he was—I think he was down at CENTCOM in Tampa. Kirby was up there in the building. Right. Kirby hosts it turns it over to the general, the general gets done and Kirby walks off without taking a question. And, and I got to tell you something, it pissed me off. Um, this is not an insignificant event. We got it that the four star doesn't have time, but the idea that the spokesman for the Pentagon cannot stand up there and answer all the questions of the press until they get beyond stupid. But every question that was asked to the general was a thoughtful, reasonable question that in the end we need to know something uh and we need to be transparent about these things i mean we just had 13 people killed in action uh and and kirby walks off sort of contemptuously i just uh they are not at they are not allowing the questions to be asked the president you know is getting brutalized uh in the underground media out there uh, uh, for just walking away from the podium and not taking questions where his, you know, the, I think the deputy national security advisor or something like that last weekend said, Oh no, the president always looks forward to taking questions from the press. So it's basically whatever I say, you know, I'm going to do something different. So that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons no one asking the questions. And the other reason is, um, look, the people in the press are just not that smart. They're just not. And they're, they're, they're they're looking at the narrative of what's going on inside the beltway as opposed to you know people that you quote on this show uh and and other things are very into the tactical execution and understand how we do business and can think through that those are the people for the most part they're not sitting in the pentagon briefing room right right um talk about uh number two things we don't understand uh force protection um, or the threat level increases around the airport. Department of State puts out a warning, and normally these things are synced, right? When, when one goes up, force protection measures go up, and it's just a matter of course, right? When this, when we're yellow, we do this. When we're red, we do this. Um, your thoughts on 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 that? Yeah, it's uh, it's inexplicable because I'll tell you when when I saw whatever it was Wednesday seems like a year ago that the state department had put out the word for Americans to stay away from the airport airport due to an imminent threat. I just assumed 
that the gates were closed. But the idea that we were attempting a process at the same volume while under that imminent threat, and when they put that out in open source, uh, I mean, that's really something. Because you're telling the, the, the enemy, hey, we know you're out there, we know you're coming. Uh, and that that the force protection measure didn't change, it's, uh, it's difficult. And I, and I, I reflect back, um, so we went to Sierra Leone, uh, we get the word, the embassy's coming out, and we got to put the minimum footprint ashore. And so we argue back and forth, what's the minimum footprint? We put a rifle company and a battalion uh, uh, command group in, and we had some uh, SEALs, uh, and we brought them in. And we actually, there was a special forces A-team in country that they were one of the people we were evacuating, but we, we kept them out there with us for the day we were doing the evacuation because they were great assistants. Okay, we're done. Day two, oh, you got to go back. Day three, we're only going to pick up a few people. We go same footprint. Day four, oh, no, you got to, there's all these other things going on. And one of the things that, that the battalion commander absolutely insisted on was, because the threat was bigger, there had actually been a firefight ashore. One of the things he insisted on was, you know, full Monty. And we took every... Uh, Every Marine in the battalion, every combat Marine in the battalion landing team went ashore that day. So instead of a footprint of like 115 Marines, we took 380 something with LAVs uh, ashore because the threat was significantly different. Um, and it just seemed logical. And I don't, I, I think there was an initial pushback. People said, well, you got to have the minimum footprint. And we said, well, this is the minimum footprint. And I don't remember uh, a lot of arguing about it. I mean, the constraint was still the same, minimum footprint. We identified a minimum footprint, and it just made sense. Yeah, there had been a firefight, things going on. I look at this, and it's uh, – and again, I'm not trying to drive that 6,000-mile-long screwdriver, but it just it, – it appears from the open-source reporting that – the procedures at the gates on Tuesday seem to be the same procedures at the gates on Wednesday seem to be the same procedures as the gates on Thursday. I don't know that that's the ground truth, but that's what it appears. And if that's the case, it's, it's a huge question. Why? The next thing that, that, uh, that I wanted to ask you about is is um, a video that has been circulating, you know, among Marines in particular, but the nation because it's made national news. Um, I, I would say like wildfire. Uh, the lieutenant colonel's name. He's an infantry officer. His name's um, Stuart Scheller. He's the he was the battalion commander at at, at advanced infantry training battalion at the School of Infantry, Infantry West, aboard Camp Pendleton. And um, in a very, very deliberate video that lasts four minutes and 45 seconds, um, he gives a voice to a sentiment that's been in the Marine Corps, I know, for a long time. And so you had a chance to watch that, Will. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, a, a couple of things. Uh, 
first a little bit of criticism and then and then just more on sentiment um his message is that senior leaders are not being accountable for what what has happened in afghanistan um I I criticize the way he did his message because he brought it to a very, very tactical decision, this idea to give up Bagram or not. And he said, did anyone put their stars on the table to say we can't give up Bagram? And, and, and I, I don't know Afghanistan well enough uh, to know whether that was a good decision or not, but I don't know that Bagram was a moral, ethical, legal decision. I believe that that was tactical and operational judgment. And I'm sure that there are arguments on all sides about whether we should have kept Bagram or whether we should have done this thing out of H. Kaya. And, and so, but on a greater note, uh, I believe that his sentiment is correct in that, that there are moral, ethical uh, boundaries that were crossed. If senior leaders, and then also judgment, there were senior leaders who, if they knew how poor uh, the ANA was going to perform under its own leadership without supervision from the United States, the fact that the senior leadership maybe in uniform, but definitely in the political part of Afghanistan was so corrupt. And yet they continued us on the same path forever. Then I, and I, then I think that, that the, a very good case can be made that, that the moral ethical boundary was crossed. If, if our senior leaders made a judgment that when, uh, when the president, when president Trump, well, the, President Obama had the same policy as President Trump. Trump just put the timeline on it that we are going to withdraw from Afghanistan. Uh, if the senior leadership, uh, as President Biden came in, and when President Biden said six weeks ago, you know, that that it wasn't going to just collapse, if those leaders knew that there was something different um, and refused to tell the president the truth, uh, that's a, a land, or if they didn't know different one, who the hell are they? If they did know different, um, that's really troubling to me. And then I think the president has leaked out at least once or twice that, well, maybe it wasn't imminent, but we know this could happen in a couple of months. Then the whole thing is corrupt. Um, it, it, the idea that the Taliban is now in charge of Afghanistan so that everything for the last 20 years has been a waste. Um, it's, it's a waste if leaders who were in charge and should know better allowed this to just continue along the way it was going, uh, knowing that it was never going to turn out then there absolutely should be accountability. I mean, history is going to hold them accountable. Um, 
what he's asking for is is someone who is in those positions to stand up and say uh, either I was wrong because I thought this thing could turn out uh, because they're never going to stand up and say, well, I knew it wasn't going to go good, but I was going along to get along. Um, they're never going to do that. Right. Um, Which would be the truth in most cases. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I'll provide another commentary. Um, well, let me just and let me just footnote that. And and the reason that that somebody does that is because they want to get promoted. And so, yeah. if you want to be the bearer of bad news, uh, that's not really the and that's not really the party line. Then, you know, st- or stand by to start that, looking for a new job. Yeah, or that fundamentally they don't understand. You are in the moment of history right now, and you are in charge. And history just doesn't flow. Right. It goes the way it's directed. And all of a sudden, you are the one in charge that has decision-making authority and responsibility. And you missed your opportunity to do the right thing. And the right thing can be pretty damn hard in there when you're going against big-time policy. But in theory, that's why you are in that spot. So, um, yeah, I'd say something about uh the current generation so uh i don't well, know and let me just and let me just tell you i mean this goes back to my time and will's time in iraq right will was part of the great whack-a-mole event out west we were doing economy of force operations out there why would we be doing that because we didn't have enough bodies so we had to rip, we had to pull battalions from the western part of the country to you know pull them into Fallujah and the other things we need to do, and and we played that game. And Will's mobile force, right, gets sp- stretched, spread out, flipped from one part of the AO to another, and then back, um, because we just don't have enough guys out there, and so and we did that for years. And we did that for years. And so this frustration that Lieutenant Colonel Schiller's talking about, Schiller's talking about, you know, he talk, he describes it, you know, he's he's been on active duty for 17 years. The entire time the nation's been at war. And, and he's watched this the whole time, as the rest of us have too. Right? And we're not supposed to do this. Some, I, I'll tell you, Will, somebody sent me an email yesterday and said, you know, you know, do you think this is grandstanding? You know, this is not the way we're supposed to do it. I said, no, 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 you're right. It's not the way we're supposed to do it. But the system's broke. Because nobody, yeah, n- is... nobody's listening. And when the system breaks, this is what you get. Yeah. I, I, uh, and and it's, it's really hard for me to project myself into his shoes. Um, uh, because when I was... Uh, when I was a 17-year battalion commander, uh, I had just gotten slated to command. Um, I was at headquarters. Uh, you know, my son was 16 years old. My daughters were 14 years old. Um, I, and, and it's something I think about, you know, a lesson that, that I was told a few times about fixing the Marine Corps. And... And the lesson was, 
you clean up your part of the Marine Corps. Right. You make sure that you got the best platoon you can have, the best company you have, the best battalion, the best staff section, the best whatever. And we'll worry about the big stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, the commandants were Barrow, Gray, Mundy, Krulak. I mean, you didn't have to like everything about all of them, but they were going to goddamn make sure this was a good Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, General Barrow, in particular, grabbed the Marine Corps, was flying off the edge, him and General Wilson in the late 70s. And they grabbed it and they shook it and they made it a better Marine Corps. And you knew that those guys, you didn't know what they were dealing with. You didn't know the pressures they were dealing with. But if you fixed and cleaned up your little piece of it, you had a lot of faith that the guy at the top gave as much a shit about it as you did down there. Um, it's not clear right now that the senior leadership sees, and that's the thing, the Marine Corps is not broken. This isn't 1978 where the Marine Corps was broken. The Marine Corps is actually good, very good. Uh, and, I, and I like to think that, that particularly that time period, 2005 to 10 or so, right, you know, in my last time in it, it was really good, you know. Staff NCOs really, really knew their business well. Uh, officers recognized that that this life is in your hands. Pay attention. And not to say that we didn't screw stuff up. We always do. But I got to tell you, it was really good. The equipment was good. The people were good. I think the attitude was good. Um, but we do have this. It, it's just... You know, if you looked at it, what would you say is is wrong? And it's this component that appears to be unwilling to really press um, the civilians who are in charge. And I am not arguing against the Constitution whatsoever. I absolutely fundamentally believe in civilian control. I've studied enough history to see what happens when you put people in uniform in charge. Nothing good. But when we have civilian control of our military, it's supposed to be a close partnership where there's a respect that flows back and forth. The respect from the civilian side is to know that those military people are going to absolutely give best military advice, uh, regardless of politics, regardless of agenda on a civilian side. And the civilians know to respect that. And, and, and I don't know that that's there anymore. There's too much of a willingness by senior leadership to do things that they fundamentally know are wrong. And, and we're, we're seeing the result of it. We're seeing the result of it and how this whole thing in Afghanistan has fallen apart. Uh, and, and I'll say something to people out there that are old like me, you know, when I was battalion commander and you think about it, 2004 
time period. And, and I've said this before on the show. Hey, I, I never saw a Marine hesitate. I never saw a Marine hesitate. Uh, this is the millennial generation. This guy, Scheller, uh, was must have been commissioned 2003, four, something like that. Right. So he's, he's that same generation of, he's the same age as the Lance Corporals and Corporals that were first LAR in 2004, right? right? right. Enlisted 2001, two time period. Uh, I never saw those guys hesitate. And so for this, this idea, well, the current generation is this and the current generation is, is that I don't buy that shit for a second. And, well, um, and we both know, cause it's a lie, right? Yeah. It's a lie. I mean, and I'll tell you what, if you've seen, you, if you've seen them fight, you know, ask me this, Will. Would you go? Would you go? Would you go to war with Lieutenant Colonel Scheller? Yeah, and 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 so I've, uh, you know, one of my lessons from a long time ago is don't read the comment section. Right. Um, well, I just wanted to peruse the comment section. It's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's a ninety odd percent in favor. Some of it jingoistically, not really knowing and putting their own political agenda in this guy's mouth, which I don't think he's saying out there. Uh, The 10% that again, that is against is also just, it's just odd. Um, uh, This guy has got skin in the game. Oh shit. He's all in the game. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he knows knows where some of those headstones are. Right. Think about, think about he's talks, he's spoken to his wife about this. Okay. And he looks at her and says, I'm not going to be able to live with myself if I don't say something. And and she says, well, are you sure you're going to post it? And he says, you know, I can, I can imagine. He says, I'm going to go think about it. And he goes into his study or whatever, and he sits down, and then he walks out, and she's sitting there, right, and looks at him, and he says, I posted it. And what he's just done is he's rolled the dice – of life with not only his his professional career which he pretty much ended right but also with his retirement which now completely recalibrates his life right we're not going to be able to do this because of this this principled position that I've taken right and so he's all I mean he she and their kids are all in on this because of, you know, and, and, and uh, Timmy made a comment to me. I said, that's what a jihadist is. He's a believer. Right? He's willing to burn it down for what he believes in. And not just accept a little pat on the head and say, yeah, thanks for your input. See you later. As, as we continue to do the same stupid shit. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, th- the truth is not supposed to get you burned at the stake. Right. And, and, and as I said before. I, this is not the way we're supposed to do it. But as Will says, God damn it. How can we reenact Vietnam when we all grew up in the shadow of this son of a bitch? And the people that led this thing, right, grew up more in the shadow because they were, they were in before we were. So they were, they were either in Vietnam or directly exposed to it by the people that were because they're senior to us and they, they heard about it. You know, they were closer to the flash and the boom. And then yeah, we and, 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 and then we reenact it. Come on, man. And that, and that's what I say. I, I wish you just would not have made that comment about Bagram because it, it right. the, tra- the greater message. It's a much more higher 
strategic uh, four-star political military relationship message uh, and um, you know and this is the other thing I, I have no idea what goes on in the commandant's office anymore and so I read his letter to Afghan veterans as either being manipulative or out of touch um, there was no doubt that every Marine stood fast next to their brothers next to him, was willing to sacrifice, was willing to go forward, not hesitate, uh, willing to put themselves in harm's way, uh, willing to take the risk to themselves to, to help their brother next to him. There's never been a doubt of that. Um, and, and it doesn't need to be repeated because the people who are there, they know. Right. And so he's the, the, the commandant is either misses the greater point to this is that that the complaint isn't that the complaint is that the leadership never did what it took to either say what we're doing is stupid so let's just completely stop doing it like back in 2005 or 4 cuz we knew or um this is what it's going to take to do what you want to achieve. Mr. President, are you willing to do that? And if you're not, then I can't be part of this anymore because what you're trying to tell me to do is say, we're going to do this, know that we're not ever going to get there. Uh, and so it, it, the commandant has either missed, I believe what the emotion of people is, or he's attempting to manipulate it and take it away from that conversation and turn it into a, uh, you know, go get them, boys. You did great. We did great. We're all great. Everything's great. We'll all be great forevermore, which is manipulative. And, and, and I, and if, if, if people read the letter before that he published it, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I fundamentally don't understand it. I didn't like it. I don't need the commandant to pat me on the head because I did a good job and it didn't turn out great. And if he thinks he needs to do that, I just, well, I don't know what he's thinking. And I don't want to think that the commandant is trying to be manipulative and, and play on the emotions to get it away from what Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is actually talking about, uh, which is what you're supposed to be doing when you're up there in those very small meetings in the Pentagon and you're deciding the fate of the nation and the fate of a whole bunch of Marines. And so it, uh, yeah, it's troubling. To Do me. you think? I mean, um, look at the future. Um, I don't think that's the last. Um, that's not the last one of these we're going to see, because this sentiment is not is not a an, an epidural, epidural layer, right? It's not a superficial layer in the Marine Corps Officer Corps, the the Marine Corps Staff and CO Corps. It is something that as as you know. As as you know, professional guys who deployed repeatedly, you know, into combat zones, and then have watched this stuff. We watched it first in Iraq, the places that we fought, the places that you led well. As it it it, it rolled over to ISIS, and then we had to go back in there, right? And now again, he he struggles. He uses a really powerful word, right? He uses the word contempt, contempt to describe his feelings, and that's beyond pissed. Yeah. 
Contempt yeah. means I was pissed, right? And then you asked me to play charades, and now I'm filled with contempt for you. That's yeah, and so wait, wait for the wait for the uh, the division staff meetings and the all hands meetings are going to be coming up next week, when the CG's got to stand up there, and say, uh, "Don't you any do don't do any of this." And what the CG is not going to address is the content. Right, he's going to completely address the format, and you're going to be able to hear the eyeballs rolling and clicking from this far away. I, I just looked at something and I'm not, I'm on LinkedIn and they've got a, you know, a screenshot of this thing. So I don't know if this guy has gotten 300,000 looks on LinkedIn, which I think it is. So on Facebook, it's got to be 3 million right. or more. Right. Everyone has seen this, uh, interpreted it and, and every, you know, every CG is going to have to deal with it and they're going to be put in the unenviable position of passing along an order that is um, hard to enforce and at its core, not necessarily right, you know, and all the warrior, all the armchair warriors are going to be out there. uh, You know, you, you can't criticize people. That's a violation of civil civilian control. Now, I hope we got people that are willing to criticize and stand up because in the end you end up where we are today. Uh, well, isn't, there wasn't a lot of criticism, isn't the right? isn't the truth supposed to matter at some point? And don't you have a and and we've talked about this, but don't you have a moral oppor- uh, obligation that when the truth isn't being discussed to to come out and say it? Yeah, isn't and, and, isn't and isn't that what our oath is about? And and, and again, we've all been asked. Um, I don't know if I've ever told a story on 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 the air, um, but I came home from Iraq in two thousand and in December of two thousand four, and I had people that you know wanted to talk to me and and um, and so I don't know if you remember this guy's name was Ed Schultz. He became a national talk show guy. Um, but he was doing his show out of Fargo, North Dakota. So I get a call from his producer, and he said, do you want to come on? And I said, well, it depends. What are we going to talk about? He said, well, we'll he's going to ask you questions about Iraq. I said, okay. And um, and the guy says, do we have enough guys over there? And I said, no. He said, would you say that on the air? I said, yeah. And I said, but that's the only thing I could say. I can give you a data point. I can tell you the truth. If if he tries to take me and get me to be critical of the policymakers or anything like that, I, I can't do that. Okay? And they were like, oh, okay. And so I, I went on the air, and he asked me, and I said, no, we don't. And But I've struggled with this since then because the fact that we all knew the war plan called for over 300,000, and there was hundred. 40 when we were there, well, what was there, 138, 140, maybe 150, you know, when we did Fallujah finally. Um, but there was less than 50% of what was supposed to be in there by the war plan. And we all knew it. And yet nobody went home and said anything about it. And we were asking those Lance Corporals and PFCs and lieutenants and captains, go out there and get it on every day, boys and girls. 
right? Semper Fidelis. But we're not gonna we're not gonna imperil our own careers and come home and tell the truth because shit, you'll get your shit cashed and you'll be sent home. And so this this is a long this is a, I mean, I think something that we have wrestled with in very silent moments in our you know, in very quiet places, you know, in your story about your Marine who's apologizing as he takes his last breath. And so, to me, the truth is important. And especially as Marines, and especially as Marine officers, we're not supposed to be afraid of it. But I think in the DOD, we are afraid of it. We don't have these knockout, knockdown, dragout fights. And I just hope, I mean, even the shit we talked about today, I pray to God that there's a good reason why the force protection you know, stayed the way it was, and it simply wasn't another mistake. And it was a mistake because when they gave the order and says, no, we're not going to modify the ECP, and all the Marines looked at you, you know, at somebody, that somebody just didn't look at them and say, let's go, boys and girls, let's do this shit. Because that's not the way this shit's supposed to work, right? Yeah, you know, and when you're, when you're, you know, you're in the environment, um, if you're introspective, you know, the only thing you know is what you can actually see and do yourself. And so when you're there, you don't really know what's going on in other places. And you got to have faith in the leadership that they know. And, and I got to tell you something, when I came home in 2004, I was not optimistic, uh, at all. And, uh, it, it was interesting to me that when, the last Marines left. And I want to say it was like 2008 or nine. And the Sergeant Major sent a letter out and said, Hey, we we've been successful in this because of all the things that you did. And I, and I looked back and said, you know, maybe some of the stuff that I just disagreed with, you know what, maybe I was wrong. And maybe the people in charge actually knew better. And, and it took us five or six years to eventually get to this point where we think we've launched this new Iraq. And well, then the whole thing fell apart the next year anyhow. But that was, that was one of the things that reminded me to be humble. Uh, you don't know everything. But after 20 years of this now, um, how, how could we be here if what the senior leadership has been telling people for the last 20 years is true. Either they were inept or they weren't necessarily truthful. And, you know, I'm going to see if I've got the energy one of these days to go back and try and parse their testimony. Because, I mean, I remember the good old days of the 2010, 11, 12, 13, and maybe 2007, 8, 9, when, you know, it'd be headline news when when the CG would come back and testify, particularly in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee. Right. Um, and so they're on record uh, of saying exactly what they thought. Like I said, I, I'll see if I've got the energy to go back there. I guarantee you that there's some pretty smart author that's going through that right now. Right. Well, uh, and, or and, some and again, future H.R. And, McMasters. And the same thing, you know, relative to testimony on Iraq. Yeah. Before we turned it over. And then, and then, I mean, I, I can remember 
and I didn't really read very much of it. I would see headlines on occasion of things people would write, veterans who were losing their minds over the things that, that not that they, that they fought for, because I think if you talk to most veterans, they would say, hey, fuck me on this whole deal. I saw my friends die in that place. And, and, and with that sacrifice, this is what you've done with it? And and then and to watch the testimony, right, that 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 was this house of cards that led to this thing that we just we said, yeah, they, they can do it on their own. And um, I, I mean, so, I mean, that's something that we sh- you know, that, that I, I'd be more than happy to help is to put, you know, that audio together to hear these people who led this thing. Right. Not say what we most of us knew was the truth that if you leave them alone, if they don't have our help, if they don't have our supporting arms, if they don't have us doing calm, right? I mean, this is not going to work. Or or that this government that we are tied to as our partner is corrupt to its core. And we cannot be successful if this is the only partner that we have. And that, that is a four-star level. That is a, you know, senior ambassador level. That is a SecDef level assessment. They don't need to figure out which camera we need, which gun we need, et cetera. That's their strategic responsibility. And if they couldn't make that judgment, again, they were either stupid or lying at some point because, it sure seemed that it was pretty corrupt down where we were most of the time. And and so, and so is, is it somehow or other wrong when you see that happen over and in two separate wars that you participated in to, to stand up and say, I have to tell the truth. That's wrong. I don't, yeah, I, to me, to me this is, I mean, it, 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 you know, I mean, I remember us talking about, um, the the ACMAT Max testimony in the hearings uh, for the uh, Amtrak sinking. Uh, You're really trying to bring me down. No, of the 15th year, yeah. and and the and, and the the ACMAC said we need to create a culture where people feel comfortable. And your response was, "How about we create a culture where people are uncomfortable and do their job?" You know, so how about we create a culture where people are uncomfortable not to tell the truth? Where the first, where the first um, block on your fitness support is, is this officer, is this staff NCO, is this NCO capable of telling the truth when it's not a popular, you know, thing to do? That, that, that number one, because that is the only way you can get to where we're at in Afghanistan, which is, you know, again... We're doing drone strikes for for popular consumption here in the United States because it won't make any fucking difference. There's other planners that are already planning right now. And we've watched these drone strikes in Somalia and Syria, and it hasn't meant shit. We're limping out of Afghanistan, right, with the sound of drone strikes. Awesome. Awesome. And and I can't – you know, I was in Egypt during 9-11, and I I had a certain – anger. And when I got back to the U S it was, uh, right before Christmas. And I got to tell you something, it was, it was palpable for me, the feeling 
uh, of the country. And um, this is not a 9-11 equivalent, but it's uh, the fact that 13, 12 Marines and one corpsman were killed in action and, and another dozen wounded and likely some of them guys probably pretty severely. I don't know if there's anger out there, but I got to tell you something. I didn't, I didn't get a sense from the president, from the vice president, from anyone who I've seen speak that's in charge, that they truly felt this in their core and that they, that they played a video in their head of that Keiko walking up to someone's front door and, and seeing that you've fundamentally changed people's lives forever. And, um, you know, retribution isn't always the sort of the Western Christian way of looking at things, but I'll tell you what, if, if our military, uh, if, if we, if we can feel like, um, yeah, you know, we lost 13 guys and and we're going to put the flag at half staff and, and we really feel bad. And, uh, you know, on to the next event. Well, we're fucked. That's all there is to it. Um, there, there should be a burning, righteous anger, and and what's the right thing to do to make it your personal mission that anybody who had anything to do with this is going to be hunted down like a rabid dog in the street and shot with impunity. Uh, and I just, I don't, I, I, I don't get that sense. And again, I'm a little divorced. I, I, I'm careful about watching news because I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's set up to manipulate. Um, I don't know what the commandant has said behind closed doors. I, I just don't know, but God damn it. Uh, it should matter a hell of a lot more. And this idea, well, we just pick up and we're professional. We move. Stop it. Right. Stop uh, it. Stop it. Please stop it. Yeah. And then, and then the same thing goes, in my opinion, the same thing um, goes with um, with this discussion. This guy's career is going to be ended because he told the truth. Like what the? Who thinks? Like what the fuck is that? Yeah, I I wish that we actually had the time machine and that we could go forward 50 years and see if this mattered. And if there, if this was part of a, a start of an avalanche and, and that, that people actually took a pause and looked and listened and said, you know what? We don't necessarily like the way the message was delivered. We don't like this. We're like that, but that message is real. And we better get after that message. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the year 2037, something happens and we think about it. And, and a very thoughtful, smart, historically minded person tra- traces it back to the fact that Stu Scheller stood up. Uh, I hope, I wish we could do that. I, I hope that that's what happens. And I hope that it's not a, um, you know, we're going to crush this guy and there's going to be social media briefings and there's going to be 
uh, uh, veiled threats to careers about criticism. Right. Uh, I mean, this is not communist China. This is the United States of America. And, and, and you know, and the great push will be to exploit what Lieutenant Colonel Schiller said for political gains, right? That will, be the, that will be the great push. But we don't, care one sh- we don't care one bit about that. What we care about is that nobody else goes to fight a war, right? And, the go- and it's, 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 it's really the goal. We can feel bad, right? But none of us is going to walk by a bedroom, right, is going to walk by a picture and look at somebody who isn't here anymore and say, I lost my son, my daughter, for no reason. I lost my husband. I lost my own. I mean, that's, um, you can't, as the leader of a nation, you can't ask the citizens of the nation to do that and fuck it up. That's immoral. And so, what? and I, I have the same hope. I hope, right, Lieutenant Colonel Schiller, right, sparks a debate that has us go through and look at this and people that have to be accountable because what makes this doubly inexcusable is that we already did Vietnam. We studied Vietnam, and then we repeated Vietnam. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I mean, mean, that to me is is just so (laughs) deflating, right? It's one thing yeah. for guys who did Vietnam, and then you can re- say in retrospect, well, you know, it was the first real great counterinsurgency that we ever participated as a modern nation. They really weren't up to the task. Blah, blah. We don't have that excuse. What's our excuse? Answer, yeah. we don't have one. We, that we, yeah. we had people that wouldn't tell the truth? Speak truth to power. I don't ever want to hear that shit again. It's a yeah. joke. Yeah. Well, All right. Any final yeah, yeah, yeah. any final comments now that we've uh, got your your Saturday off to a, a great start? Um, you know, we're gonna see we're gonna see how how the rest of this thing plays out, and uh, uh, I would just advise, you know, come the election season, don't watch TV because you're gonna see people exploiting various parts of this. And you'll end up breaking really expensive flat screen TVs if you're watching it. Um, but uh, we 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 have people of character, and we need people of character to be courageous. And I, again, I I cannot put myself in that guy's shoes. Um, I won't even pretend to to be able to say what whatever I could do or not do. Uh, I hope that that it's more than just for himself. I hope that it doesn't just go for naught. He, for the rest of his time, is uh, is going to be able to say, you know, when, when, when the spotlight shined, I wasn't afraid to stand up there and make something about bigger than myself, not about me. Uh, I, I hope it leads to more than that internal satisfaction uh, as he goes along. Um, and and if it does, uh, well, it's worth it to him no matter what. Right. But then it becomes worth it uh, to the rest of us. And, and uh, 
I don't know how to take his example and employ it um, myself. But I got to tell you something, you know, that'll be one of your one of your things you think about when you're approaching dilemmas uh, in the future. So uh, I applaud the guy. Uh, I said I have minor criticism on the fringes, but I applaud the guy. And, and I hope even though uh, our senior leadership knows that what you do is violation of whatever, I hope they do that. And then I hope they take that message and I hope that there's a bunch of senior leaders sitting in their quarters this weekend really thinking about it. Um, and I hope it sparks a discussion uh, amongst them. And it's not the discussion shouldn't be, you know, oh, social media is fucked up. We need to crush it. So. No, I, I hope at the at, at, you know, the three star level, right, the executive level of the Marine Corps, that they look. And they say, we are now at a point as an institution where we have our articulate, driven, combat experience leaders clicking off safe because they're so frustrated with the institution because they don't believe, right? They don't believe that the institution, right? Yeah. Tells the truth. Yeah. And, 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 and again, that word contempt. And it and it doesn't that does not play well for the institution, because if if you leave it where you are disgusted uh, or in contempt of the institution, uh, it's hard. It's hard, you know, it, it it's hard to sustain it if your alumni association is not happy with you. Um, it's just really hard to do. And I, and I believe that for the Marine Corps, you know, that, that I lived in for all that time, I think it's a force of great good in the country. Right. Uh, you know, I believe in it. Um, it. It's, it's painful at times, but if I was to feel contempt for it, uh, it's that it's really, it's troubling to see the future first of the institution and then if the if the country is not worthy of a Marine Corps, what, you know, what is a country worthy of? So it just it doesn't bode well right. on all kinds of levels. And I would hope that thoughtful, caring, patriotic people look and see and and figure out what do we really what fundamentally do we need to do different and how do we get after doing that different? Because um, the path that we're on. Show me the good ending to the path. There's, there isn't one. There isn't one. Yeah. There isn't one. And again, yeah. what you, you know, what we have in two separate wars is, you know, we have leaders that don't come home don't. and don't look at the American people and tell the truth, right? And so we, so then, stupid policy decisions get made, and we sacrifice the valor, the life treasure of the nation, and then you're supposed to just shut up in color. No, I mean to me. Well, and, and let me let me end on this because I've had a number of people um, email me and ask me what's going to happen to him uh, if since you are a betting man, what happens to Lieutenant Colonel Scheller? Um, you know, I I think undoubtedly that he probably violated something in the UCMJ. Right. Uh, it's it's hard for me to imagine that that would be charged. Right. Uh, so. He uh, he's relieved 
and um, uh, he's at uh, SY West or East? Because I thought I saw that he was a resident of Jacksonville. No, I uh, no. He he referred to one eight as his initial the initial command, but okay. I, I was told by Jeff that he's at SOI West. Okay, so then, you know, I don't. There's not a whole lot of training command infrastructure headquarters type out there, so he could go become you know the base G thirteen or whatever it is, right. and plays out the string. Uh, if he's got seventeen years, you know, you go to twenty. Uh, the only other thing, uh, let me think. Uh, so, so, so what would you say? Because, he's a fairly junior lieutenant colonel. So, what so would you? We're going to be in zone, right? So, what would you say? I mean, so what people who aren't familiar with the way the Marine Corps works are going to say? Well, they're going to throw him out, right? No. And he's not going to be able to get his. He's not going to be able to. This guy who's who's fought, I, I assume, in multiple. You know, he's an infantry officer. You know, as a lieutenant, probably as a captain. No. Right. Um, to, to throw him out, they would there would have to be a prosecution. Got it. Um, and then an officer can actually be dismissed at court martial. And that means we kick you out and you get nothing. Um, I can't imagine. Well, well let, let, let me, let I me think t- there's less than 10 percent chance that there's a prosecution associated with this. So he's just put on the bench. He gets a bad fitness report, which means he'll never be promoted again. He gets uh, a staff job somewhere. And you know what? I bet the guy will do a great job at it because he seems like a professional guy. Oh, and no, he's, he's not going to sit in a cube and just, you know, whine, bitch, and complain. Uh, he's going to go do a good job at whatever he's been given to do. And uh, he's going to file to retire on the anniversary of the 20th day or the 20th year that he was commissioned. He'll retire uh, as a lieutenant colonel and, and off he'll go and he'll become part of the great alumni association. So, all right. Well, I know you're doing stuff, but I appreciate you taking time uh, out of your day and and talking to us because honestly, um, from the, you know, the, the things we don't understand stuff to the threat condition and the force protection issue. And then Lieutenant Colonel, uh, Scheller's video. I mean, uh, this is important stuff, and always appreciate your time and your voice. So thanks, Will. Yeah, thanks, Mac. I appreciate it. All right. See ya. Yep. That'll do it for the second time on a Saturday, but wanted to get Will into the conversation, and just as importantly, he wanted to be a part of it. Um, for those of you who pay attention to such things, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller works on the East Coast, on SOI East, not SOI West, as Jeff Kenny told me. And then Jeff tells me that I correct Will, who is actually right, that he was at SOI East. And so I want to apologize to everybody for my being misinformed. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, Nobody can doubt that that when you're in uniform, expressing those sentiments will get you in trouble, and it will. But there's a larger conversation that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller touches upon that ought to be had by the American military. And his frustration is shared by many. But if I were a betting man, I would predict that we will not have that conversation. 
right. We will sweep it aside and continue to do the things that we do, which have led to the events in Afghanistan. So I guess the only hope is the hope that the House or the Senate takes up this issue and finds a way to somehow or other influence its officer corps that being truthful is the single most important thing you'll do as an officer. So have a great Saturday. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. I'm out.